Welcome all of our campuses and all of the men and women at our correctional centers. I want to welcome you guys to week three of our series entitled Extraordinary Living. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us, those that are joining us online. We're so honored to have you with us. So we are in a six-week series studying the book of James. I do want to say to all of you at all of our locations how proud I am We've got right at 10,000 people in small groups, nearly 1,000 small groups. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Isn't that powerful? It's you guys. Thank you, all you small group leaders. We're, we're looking at my, probably my favorite book in the New Testament, the book of James. Today, I want to talk to you about a topic in James chapter 3 called Extraordinary Words. Extraordinary words. Uh, the reality is there are three different types of people. Number one, here it is, those that think before they speak. You know where I'm going with this. Those that think while they speak and those that think, come on, say it, after they speak. Now, which category do you think Pastor Steve's in? Which one do you think you're in? Matter of fact, I, I, I've been growing in this. I, my, my wife... Uh, who I love dearly. We've been married 27 years. And uh, it's interesting. I, I never forget the first time uh, we, we have four children and the first child and I, she's pregnant and, and I just have this problem. You know, I'm getting better. And she walks out and, and she's probably eight months and she's wearing overalls. And I looked at her and I just thought this just real fast. I said, honey, you look huge. <laughs> and it's just because it, it was true, but it wasn't wise. How I many you know you, there can be true things, but not wise things to say? <clears throat> and uh, needless to say, that wasn't a fun afternoon, but that's called, that's called, that's called thinking after you speak. I, I love the book of James because of how practical it is. The book of James we've been studying was written by actually the half-brother of Jesus. He was the second pastor of the church at New, uh, second pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And what's interesting about James is this. Listen to this. James grew up in the house with Jesus. Can, can you imagine being compared to Jesus? All the time. Well, Jesus made his bed. Well, great. Jesus did his homework. Fantastic. And yet the Bible says that he wasn't converted till after the resurrection. First Corinthians chapter 15. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his half-brother, James, and he was, he, he was transformed when he saw Jesus. And yet, after the first pastor of the church at Jerusalem, the second pastor, James, he was concerned because the church was scattering geographically. They were under persecution, but not just scattering geographically. Watch this. They were drifting spiritually. The fact of the matter is drifting. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Listen, it's both so subtle, but so dangerous. Those of you that have been in the beach, so many of you have been out in the ocean, whether the Gulf of Mexico, 
Probably three quarters, 90% have been either Pensacola or Destin. And, and you know how it is. You, you go out in the water and you don't even realize it. You have a marker. All right, that's the condominium. Everybody look right there. And, and I, okay, or that's the flagpole. And you're just out there with your family and your friends and you're hanging out. And you kind of all of a sudden look up and an hour later you're 300 yards down. Let me tell you what happened. You didn't intentionally do anything. You actually drifted because of what was around you. How often in our lives, even the last three years, all that we've all been through, how often do we not realize what's actually happening, but the culture, ideologies, philosophies impact people around you? Actually, watch this, because you're not intentional, you've just, quote, been drifting. And we wake up, we go, how did I end up here? How did my marriage end up here? How did I end up here spiritually? By, by the way, that's why I'm so fired up in the beginning of the year. All of you at all of our locations at, that, that we dig into the Bible. We dig into a book of the Bible. We, we dig into small groups. Why? Because the book of James actually equips us. Watch this. Don't miss this. To fight the drift. It's the word of God that helps us to fight the drift. Apparently, one of the primary ways that this first century church was drifting was in their words. James took what I would see probably the greatest amount of scripture in all, definitely the New Testament, probably the whole Bible, talking about this important topic, our words, it's actually in James chapter 3. By the way, here's what I found in my life, that when my words improve, my relationships improve. Watch this. When my relationships improve, my life improves. Pastor, I want to have a better life. I want to have a better marriage. I want to have a better relationship with my kids. I want to have a better work relationship. So much of that is attached to our words. Wow. Words have the power to heal or the power to wound. The power to encourage or the power to discourage. The power to bless and the power to curse. I want to talk to you today about extraordinary words. James chapter 1 verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he's religious, it does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Quite a statement, James. It's very clear. <clears throat> the importance of our words. Okay, if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to James chapter 3. Those that don't, again, you can look on the screen. The longest discourse, the longest section, continuous scriptures on the tongue, on our speech in all the Bible, James chapter 3. I'm going to talk to you about that today. James chapter 3. Watch the power of how he architecturally designs a pathway for us to walk through, to understand, so go my words, so go my relationships. So go my relationships, so goes my life. James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in, everybody say it, word. He is a perfect man. Able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their body, look also at ships. Although they are large 
and are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue. Look at the analogy. The tongue. It's a little member, proportionally. It's smaller than your arm. It's smaller than your leg. It's a very small, physiologically speaking. But look what he says. Even so, the tongue is a little member. Oh, oh, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. Whoa, James. The tongue is... It's so set among our members that it defiles a whole body. Whoa, that's another level. And sets on fire the course of nature. And it's set on fire by hell. Remember what I said. The tongue has the power to heal, but the tongue also has the power to hurt. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, it's tamed. And it's been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. That's why we need God's help. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I ended last week's message talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't live the Christian life in our own strength. This is not about white-knuckling it. It's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that equips us, that gives us the strength. It says, no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. In chapter 2, James tells us that faith without works is dead. James spoke to us last week about the importance of congruency between what we believe and how we behave. Oh, your beliefs should affect your behavior. My beliefs, uh, no, no, Christianity is not about behavior at first. We receive Christ based upon the grace of God. But when Christ comes into our lives, listen, our belief in Christ, in the finished work of Christ, and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, at some point, it's got to affect our behavior. It's got to get in, watch this, it's got to get into our, 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 our walk, and it's got to get into our talk. How many of us would be honest enough to say, before we came to Christ, our mouths, oh man, how many of us would be honest enough to say, there's times that our words can drift. Drifting in our lives is, again, very subtle and very dangerous. Pastor, why? Why a whole message on the power of our words? I'd say this, I'll say it again. You better your speech you better your relationships. You better your relationships, you better your life. Our life is so often defined by the quality of our relationships, and so often our relationships are not thriving because of what comes out of this mouth. Think about your marriage. Think about your relationship with your kids. Think about your friendships. Think about your coworkers. Man, they're brilliant, but woo, you don't want to get around them. Because, boy, all kinds. Yeah. They provide, but 
dad is, mom is, it's the words. James was dealing with a first century church that was scattering geographically, but they were drifting spiritually. And he was so concerned about their words. I'm going to give you guys three principles on the tongue straight from the scripture. Again, if you're a guest here, three times a year I'll teach through books of the Bible. The very beginning of the year, we like to take a book of the Bible. There's power in the word of God. There's strength in the word of God. James chapter 3, principle number one, spiritual maturity I see here is evidenced by our ability to control our tongue. Let me qualify. No one is perfect. I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. You're not perfect. But the word here, perfect, means mature. James 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. James is not advocating a life of sinlessness. But he's advocating a walk of maturity. Remember what I said last week, spiritual maturity is? Here's what spiritual maturity Spiritual maturity is often the gap between when we know God has spoken to how quickly we obey. Spiritual maturity is, watch this, spiritual maturity is we go this way. It's God speaks, I read it in the word, a scripture, the inner witness of the spirit, I hear a message. God speaks, I obey. If, If we're immature, it takes a long time. But if we grow, as we're growing in God, we get to the point, God convicts, we repent. And one of the areas that is so evidential, it's, 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 it's so, what I would say, obvious when we're growing in God is what comes out of our mouth. What comes out of our mouth? I've often said this when I used to preach to teenagers. I said, let me tell you, I said, let me tell you something. You want to know if you're a Christian, stub your toe and watch what comes out of your mouth. Come on, can I have a witness in God's house? If we cannot control our tongue, our relationships are being damaged. So how do we control our tongue? Matthew chapter 12. Pastor, where do words originate from? The mind? The mouth? The Bible says much deeper. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his what? Say it, heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Words do not start in the mouth. Words do not start in the mind. Words start in the heart. Jesus is so clear. Out of the abundance of of the heart the mouth speaks and that's why we can't control our mouths long term in our own strength we need heart transformation when we come to christ we receive the gift of the holy spirit christians aren't just forgiven they're transformed on the inside they're receiving the gift of the holy spirit it's christ in us it's god giving us the power on the inside of us It's Jesus convicts us. Jesus equips us. Jesus on the inside. And what's so powerful is the Bible is so clear. It's out of the abundance of the heart. You want to change your mouth, change your heart. How do you change your heart? You give your heart to Christ. And daily we draw upon the power of Christ. I've walked with Jesus three decades. And I can't tell you the times when I've not been proud of the things that have come out of my mouth. 
I have all kind of little acrostics and little things that I've taught over the years. Let, let, let me give you one. Let me tell you what I'm saying. Let me tell you what I'm saying. Words don't start in the mouth. They actually don't start in the mind. They start in the heart. I'm going to give you an acrostic for the mind, but I'm going to end up in the heart. All right? Let me give you the mind first. Think. Pastor Steve, I need more self-control. How does that happen? The Spirit of God, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Let me give you an acrostic. Think. All right? Just think about this. Think about this. Number one, before I say something, is it true? Number two, is it helpful? Oh, Pastor Steve. Three, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? Like, is it necessary? Is it profitable? Here's another one. K, is it kind? I have to watch that in my life. I would say I'm an analytical person. By the way, an analytical person not submitted to the Spirit of God can quickly become a critical person. <laughs> a critical person can hide behind, well, I'm analytical, you know, I have a high, you know, whatever, strategic analysis. Yeah, no, you just, you're critical. You're critical. You just, and I, and I have to watch it in my life because I can analyze things, I analyze, I analyze everything. But, but when my heart's not, remember, remember, the problem's not the mouth first, it's really in the heart. Number two, principle number two, your tongue can light up or burn down your world. Remember what I said. James chapter three, verse three. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn, watch this, their whole body. Look also at ships. Two analogies that James uses here. Powerful metaphors. Look also at the ships, although they're large. They're huge, right? And yet they're driven by the fierce winds, and they're turned by a very small rudder, proportionately, wherever the pilot desires. James knew the power of the tongue. He starts by giving us a great picture of the horse. Those of you that are horse lovers, horses are an average of about 1,000 pounds. They can pull, by the way, three times their weight. Just think about this for a moment. Three times their weight. 1,000-pound horse can pull 3,000 pounds on average. And yet, think of the power, the sheer strength of that. We believe the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, yet God chose to use in this language of culture the horse. Watch this. But not only the horse, also the bit. A thousand pound horse pushing 3,000 pounds can be steered by a 90 pound jockey that knows how to use the bit in the mouth of that horse. Think about that for a moment. As a matter of fact, I, I um, years ago, actually 30 years ago, I'll never forget, I went with a singles group. I just got back from Bible school and I was starting seminary, and I, 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 matter of fact, Pastor Doug Arman at our Little Creek campus was with us, and we went up to Picayune, Mississippi, and we were going to ride horses. We were teenage, you know, with uh, college kids and 20-somethings, and we went up there, and, and so we got on it. He really didn't tell us much about it. We got on it, and I want to just say this respectfully. All 10 of the horses were demon-possessed. <laughs> I'm really not joking. One of the horses, their eyes flipped back, but anyway, so I really mean that. I was like, these, these horses are demon-possessed, Doug. Doug found the place, we blame him. But anyway, so <clears throat> we got on the horses, and, and, and look, and everything kind of seemed okay as the guy was bringing us out. He kind of disappeared. I'm like, Doug, where's that guy going? He was gone, and it was all, all of a sudden, they all just went, <laughs> and they just went, Wah! 
I'm flying off, I'm praying, I'm confessing every sin I've ever committed. Because I'm thinking to myself, at any moment, something could happen. Here, running through trees, and we get back, and I mean, I'm literally, my heart's, I'm like, I mean, I felt, it was dangerous. I mean, it's just like, it wasn't like open prayer. It's like, you know, and I get back, it's like, I'm like, that was crazy. He goes, you enjoy it? I said, no. He goes, you don't know to ride a horse? I said, I don't know how to ride. I, I, I mean, I, and he goes, you got to understand. And he, brought, he goes, see this little thing in its mouth? It's a bit. And see the bridle? And he started, and I was, I was like, I didn't know any of that. And he goes, this horse and this, and I was like, he made it so easy. But I didn't understand what was going on. How many times have you seen somebody's life flourishing and prospering? And, and listen, listen to me. And it looks so easy. Could it be that they know something you don't know? They know the power of their words. Yeah, the power. James says, not only is there a bit, but also, James is saying, our tongue has the power to make a difference in the same way disproportionately as ship's rudder. Small. You know what a rudder is, right? The rudders turn like this. The pilot turns. You have these huge ships. You know, you ever see those ships where, you know, these big cruise liners, right? And, and they've got, I mean, they're massive. Now, now the rudder may not, it's not small, but proportionately to the rest of the ship it is. In the same way, our words determine our relationships. Our words determine our relationships, which ultimately determines our life, the quality of our life. How'd you get saved? You believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth. There's a connection all through the Bible between words and mouth, words and mouth, heart and mouth, heart and mouth. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. We need to make sure the right stuff's in our heart so the right stuff comes out of our, come on, say it, mouth. Your tongue can light up or burn down your world. I'll say this as well. This can, this is, there's two sides of this coin. There's heads and tails. This it's both the negative, but also the positive. Our words can reframe and can bring healing to people. And by the way, listen to me, and to ourselves. I'm very careful about, and, and, and I know you may think that I'm a stickler on this thing, when someone's like, I'm such an idiot, I'm so stupid, I'm so clumsy. I actually think you're programming yourself by those words. I don't like that. I don't like when someone says, I'm just an idiot. I'm just an, uh, no, 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 no. I, I just think it's important because your words, your words produce mental pictures and you digest what you're saying. There's actually a thing called speech therapy. And I remember reading about it years ago. Speech therapy is where people that struggle with depression and anxiety, it's a very simple therapy. Simply you are taught to declare positive things over yourself. And as you do that, can I tell you something? I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. You believe yourself more than you believe me. When you say something over yourself, you don't have to go through a grid system of what your motive is. When I do, you're like, why is pastor saying this? Did my husband email him? Did my wife email? He's saying something. He's looked at me three times. Why does he always look to this side of the room? Why does he not look to that side of the room? What, are you with me? There, there's a, there, there is something on the inside of us. But when you say something over yourself. 1992, when I was at Bible school, i never forget meeting with the head of counseling over, and I, and I was just struggling with some stuff. I was just struggling with some anxiety and some things. And 
and he gave me a book. I, I don't recommend a lot of books, but this is a powerful book. And the book was called Telling Yourself the Truth. And it was written by two people. You can look it up. It's a good book. And it talked about misbeliefs and then speaking the truth over yourself. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes we're living out the script of other people's words that were spoken over us that were not inspired by the Holy Spirit, but inspired by hell. You'll never amount to anything. You'll always be this. You're going to be just like that. Oh, be careful the words we speak over our kids. Be careful the words that we speak. There's death and life and the power. Let's everybody say, speak life. Speak life. James chapter 3, verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it's set on fire, the course of nature, and it's set on fire by hell. You guys remember a number of years ago? Matter of fact, the first one I really remember distinctly in 2003, that massive fire, 25 miles began outside of San Diego, in San Diego, burned 300,000 acres. It went all the way back to a match in a campfire. A match. A match, an out-of-control campfire, 300,000 acres destroyed. Oh, we've got to see the power in our words. I'll go a step further. I think we need to think about what we're posting on social media. I think, is it, is it helpful? Is it necessary? Is it going to light up in a negative way or is it going to heal in a positive way? Number three, your tongue reveals what's in your heart. James 3, I'm just going verse by verse. Look at verse 9. With it we bless our God and Father. With it we curse men who have been made in the similitude, which means likeness of God. Out of the same mouth, pursuing blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Apparently, they're coming to church, and they're lifting their hand, and they're worshiping God but when they're pulling out and having to wait more than five minutes, they're saying unnice things to the car ahead of them. Boy, that was good preaching, Pastor Steve. Where's the umbrellas? It's raining today at Church of the King. Didn't I know I tithe here? I should have a personal umbrella. They should give me an umbrella. Why, is there, why, why do I have to wait for anybody else? Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives and grape? I mean, it's so powerful. No spring goes fresh and salt. Apparently, James has seen quite a bit of hypocrisy. These Jewish Christians are walking into church. They're praising God, but they're cursing their neighbor when they get home. Uh, when I was disciple 35 years ago, I'll never forget, actually, Pastor Doug Armand gave me this scripture, and I memorized it years ago. He used to pray this scripture a lot. Psalms 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. How, how much, look, everybody, every location, how much collateral damage would we save, watch this, by doing this? I'll never forget one time when I was with my pastor, Pastor Jim LaFoon, and my wife. This was 2010, and 
he had preached on a weekend and we'd gone down and we were at a restaurant and, um, and Jennifer and I were having some bumps and I, and, I, and I remember when he looked at me and he said, Steve, it's your words. It's your words. You don't realize how strong and harsh your words are. You're hurting your wife. I got to be honest. I, I was just, I just, she didn't say a word then. And I realized something. Wow. Wow. God, I don't want my words, my wife, closest person in the world. I, I, I don't want my words to to burn up her world. I don't want my words. I want my words. Your words have the ability to bring death or life. Listen, listen, to limit or to lift. Your kids, your family, your environment, the culture is desperate for people that can speak life. There's so much death around. Oh, you show me a person that knows how to speak life. Yeah. So, I'll close with this. I'm going to give something very practical, and then we'll pray. I know this message may be a little bit pointed, but I think it's so good. It's so good for us to understand and soberly reckon with this small member that can bless or curse. Let me give you three Ps to bridle in your tongue. Number one, or A, pause. Everybody say pause. Just pause. Now, I'm not talking about social courtesies here where you just wave and say, hey, good to see you. You know, we say so many things. Hey, good to see you. How's everybody? I'm talking about when we're having conversations interpersonally, when we're connecting with people. This is a, somewhat of a rubric or it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a template to evaluate. So I'm not talking about highs. I'm talking about, okay, I'm getting ready to have a conversation. It's weighty. It's important. The conversation begins. Number one, pause. One of the things, as I think we grow with God, we realize is it's okay to have a little bit of silence. We're measuring our words a little bit. I'm not talking about social niceties. I'm not talking about walking out of church. Hey, good to see you guys. Where are you? I'm talking about you're having a conversation where there's some gravitas, some weightiness to it. Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he or she who restrains their lips is wise. Everybody say pause. I'm learning this in my marriage, by the way. I'm learning this. By the way, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. By the way, that's called Christian growth. That's called sanctification, theologically. I'm not where I want to be. Ultimately, ultimately, when we die and we see Jesus face to face, I mean, I've told you guys this for years. We're all in a crockpot on love. We're growing in Christ, but we can't stay where we are. Pause, pause. Number two, ponder. Give it some thought. I, uh, my pastor, again, to note him, Pastor Jim LaFoon, I, I can't tell you the times when I've, we're talking about weighty stuff, not social courtesy, niceties. Hi, good to see you. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. I'm talking about weighty things. I can't tell you the times where I've asked Pastor Jim, I'm like, Pastor, you know, I just need, you know, what is your counsel on this? You know, and, and he'll say this. Let me ponder that. I'm like, ponder nothing. Give me something from God. <laughs> ponder. 
there's a lot of wisdom in that. He's measuring his words. Why? Because these are life transformative decisions that I'm going to make. Big things. Weightiness. Everybody say pause. How often? If we're sitting there with our spouse, if we learn to pause, if we learn to ponder, is this helpful? Is this inspiring? Is this just fill in the blank? And let me give you the last one. Pray up. Pause. Ponder. Pray. By the way, you yeah, know statistics reveal that couples that actually pray together and I'm talking hold hands. And I, and I want, I'm going to say this. I'm the first to admit this. And I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been in ministry for a while. And Christian, that's a good thing. That was supposed to be funny. But anyway, so if you're a pastor, you ought to be a Christian. Not all are. But anyway, that's another message. And so the fact of the matter is that it's still awkward for me. I've been to Bible school, all this stuff. And sometimes I grab her hand. You know, I'm just like, all right, we're going to pray. You know, and I'm like, all right, you know. God bless mommy. God bless the dog. I mean, it's just kind of awkward sometimes. I, is that all right? Can I just say that? She's like, all right, we're going to pray, honey. You know, and I'm like, just, and I go down the children and I'm like, hey, you got anything? She goes, you just keep praying, you know, and I just, and, and just, you know, I'm just kind of praying. But if you just kind of hang in there, just stay in there. Everybody say, stay in. Stay in the game. Come on, stay in the game. And you're praying together, and you're praying, and all of a sudden you kind of break over, and there's another kind of dimension. I wonder how many less conflicts we'd have in marriage if we talked this way before we talked this way. Ooh, that was good. That was good. Ooh. Wow. Everybody say pause. Everybody say ponder. Everybody say pray. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. All of our locations, those that are joining us online right now, I just sense the Holy Spirit right now. God's presence is here. God loves you. I said it very clearly, point one. We, we cannot do this Christian life in our own strength. The reality is that we have to confess Christ as our Savior. And when we do, when we recognize who Jesus is, and we recognize our need for Christ. We're not only forgiven, but we're also, we're also given a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God in us that empowers us. So my question is this. Do you know Christ? Have you ever surrendered your heart to Jesus? I'm not talking about going to church. And, of course, church is so important. But, but just the act of going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Hopefully you can hear about Christ in a good church. But you personally have to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. I repent of my sin. I, I turn to you, God. In just a moment, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you are, at any of our locations, if you say, Pastor Steve, I need Christ. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. I'll tell you who can. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, in just a moment, the count of that, I'm going to ask for that show of hands. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me. I'm not at peace with God. I want to surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you at every one of our campuses, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, I'm going to ask you at the count of three. Just lift up your hand high so I can see it. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you as well. 
God bless you in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you and you as well. Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, man. God bless you right there. God bless you, man. God bless you way up at the top, sir. God brought you here today. He loves you and cares about you. God bless you, man. Jesus cares about you. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless each one of you right there. Wow. Just sense the presence of God right now. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. Church, let's pray together. This is the most important prayer that people ever pray. It's a, it's a prayer of a decision where we're confessing Christ as our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Let's pray loudly with all those that are trusting in Jesus right now. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me just pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Wow, what an amazing message. And if you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want to say congratulations. We are so proud of you. And now this is the best decision that you will ever make. Absolutely. If you are here and you've made that decision to follow Christ for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. That's a big deal. We're so excited for you. The Bible says that you're a new creation, that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he is faithful to rid you of sin and shame from your past. And we could not be more excited to walk with you in this next step of your journey with Christ. Yes, and there's going to be a link that pops up on your screen or in the chat. Click that link because it is full of resources. They're going to help you walk out your new life with Christ. And it's just a way that we can get to know you a little bit better. We want to hear your story. Yes, absolutely. We do want to hear your story. You know, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you've been in church for a while, I want to just encourage you and maybe lovingly nudge you or challenge you to put more weight on the bar. You know, engaging in church life and small groups and discipleship is all part of the extraordinary life that Jesus promises us. And if you know of someone, if somebody's coming to mind even now as I'm talking, I want, I want you to be bold and, and invite those people, include them in this journey as we navigate God's word together. And to everyone, we love you guys. We, we pray you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you right here, same time. Same place. Bye guys.